Welcome back to another episode of the Hitchcock Minute. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1959 Alfred Hitchcock-directed thriller North by Northwest, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm Eric Nash from Watchmen Minute and Feels Like Weezer. I'm Travis Bowe from Watchmen Minute and Real Comic Heroes. And I am Robert Black from, I'll say, Annihilation Minute. Yeah. Great to have you back, Robert. Yeah. This will be our last minute, unless unless we're invited to someone else's. <laughs> <laughs> Similar to you. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, Friday, and at minute 90 starts with Roger suggesting methods for his disposal and ends with Roger being stopped at the door of the auction house. I like how he uh, he suggests, you know, a rather interesting method uh, for his disposal, uh, being dropped into a vat of molten steel and become part of a new skyscraper. I like it. Yeah, it's, it's a little personal anecdote, little weird coincidence. Uh, I was just talking about uh, Terminator 2 with uh, fellow, you know, Movies by Minutes host uh, uh, Jonathan Howell from Minute Impossible. And we were talking about the scene where Arnold, you know, where the Terminator gets uh, dropped into the molten steel. And he joked about, you know, what if he got turned into a uh, girder and then sudden this this girder had a strong uh, desire to protect John Connor for some reason. So just, uh, well, <laughs> that is sort of the premise of the very end of uh, Hellraiser three. <laughs> they stick the box in the concrete where they're building a skyscraper. And then at the end you see the skyscraper and all the decorations in the lobby look like the box. <laughs> So North by Northwest, Terminator 2, and Hellraiser 3 all exist in the same uh, <laughs> cinematic universe. That makes sense. All right. I dig it. He, yeah, he, he is good at this for oh, not yeah, being yeah. George Kaplan. Mm-hmm. He's got ideas. He's able to stay <laughs> ahead of them. He needed help from Eve, but he did get on the train and make it here. Yeah. And James Bond gets women to turn on him all the time, so he fits right in. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it's yeah. We've we've talked about it. I'm sure other hosts uh, through other weeks have talked about it. But yeah, this is a it's a great predecessor to uh, what would you know what would be in some of the the Bond movies. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially with the line of uh, "Are you going to ask this female to kiss me again and poison me to death?" <laughs> just the the way the the dripping uh how condescending kind of tone with uh yeah. ask this female it doesn't it's, say her name <laughs> it reminds me i've been watching a lot of futurama lately and uh if you know the character zap brannigan just yeah. the way he's like this female <laughs> He does get a rise out of Eve finally. Oh yes, yeah. Well, now, did you guys notice the camera movement there? <laughs> it, it sure seems like it's mm. because they wanted to have. If she's going to kind of rotate herself, <laughs> um, they kind of wanted to get the camera rotated so that way that you don't you're not just looking at the back of her. Right. Mm. Yeah. Rotates with her. 
And then additionally, James Mason moves a bit to the side as well at the, in, in this little kerfluffle, you know, which which is understandable, yeah. but I'm pretty sure that's also to kind of keep him, you know, from not being behind her at that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also for Van Damme, yeah, he wouldn't right. want to be that close if they are yeah. going to get into a fight. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like the the additional camera movement. Once she sits down, then the camera pushes in and like basically goes right over her head and, and um, focuses in on on James Mason. And mm-hmm. it's another one of these, uh, uh, you know, Rogers telling her that she has no feelings to hurt, but the look on Van Damme's face is seeing like when he sees Eve's reaction, it makes him, it makes Van Damme feel something like he's got some, some feelings because of Roger getting to, to Eve. It's certainly, uh, certainly nice to see. Yeah, he doesn't know all the circumstances that got them together in a room. He just knows they were together. It's it's again, it's rough watching Roger badmouthing Eve like this. Um because like it, you know, we've seen what comes after this, but yeah. you know, if you're if you're, you know, only to this point in the movie, um he certainly still has a right to be angry. I mean, like we said, he's nearly been run down by a plane and, and and we don't yet know all of her motivations. So yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of frustrating, like not, you know, knowing she's not evil, (laughs) you know, or wondering if she is. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. So at the, so at the end of the camera movement into James Mason and, and, and his great, Great, you know, looking down <laughs> at her and looking up at at uh, Thornhill. Um, we then get this cut over to something we mentioned. You know, I think our guest kind of pointed out uh, uh, the couple couple of days, two or three days ago. Um, the uh, the the other professor, <laughs> um, played by uh, Leo mm-hmm. J G uh, Leo G Carroll, and. Uh, just just uh point you know the guest the guest then pointed out that <laughs> he was sitting over there which is yeah it is actually visible you know even even last minute at one point mm-hmm. I, I i caught him <laughs> oh yeah he's, he's there again yeah he's not really like yeah. super in focus but um but yeah he's definitely there and yeah here he's he's front and center he they they are he's now a part of the movie like you know no no yep. question so uh, we won't get any dialogue from him for a while, but uh, we know he's paying attention. Yeah, I guess he's from. Uh, he also was on uh, in Alfred Hitchcock's Strangers on a Train, and then huh. had a long running, uh, I guess, uh, role on The Man from Uncle, as well as like I didn't know was a thing. The Girl from Uncle. Mm-hmm. It's like maybe like a little spinoff. So. But I'm sure other people will get into his uh, other roles once he actually gets some some proper dialogue. Is this the first time we've seen him? I believe so. I mean, we... I, I didn't rewatch the movie since I did my minutes, so I couldn't remember if we've already seen a scene with him or not. Yeah. I'm pretty sure this... I mean, 
like we said a couple minutes ago, he's he's just kind of off off in in the shot in the background yeah. in the scene. Yeah, so I think this is kind of his first bit in the movie. Certainly, the auction scene is uh, I think his first part in the movie. Yeah, the other stuff to come. I mean, it is is extremely important <laughs> and um you know yeah seeing them here i mean it, it, you know it's just even even this close-up shot you know versus those other faraway shots you know it's just it's just something you don't really remember <laughs> you know it's it's you mm. know so when you do see him again i mean i you know i think it's it's it probably feels good <laughs> i think in a sense it's, it's <laughs> Like it's okay. I, yeah. I, I have seen, like they yeah, linger on him long before, enough, but you know, yeah, you probably don't quite know where, you know? Yeah. But mm. know, just the fact that you feel like you've seen him before, I think yeah. is, is, is an important part. Um, the, the actor himself again, uh, Leo G. Carroll, um, he apparently was even, um, in maybe just the stage production, but not in the movie. Um, Rocky, the you know the the stage production being Rocky Horror Show. He's even uh, given a call out oh. in a song. Mm. Apparently the I was double checking the script. The professor is in the scene with all of the government people talking and like the oh that that is there. earlier. That scene. I don't was think oh, we were introduced right. to him, but he is there. Man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, when they were deciding, talking about Kaplan. what to do. Yeah. Okay, that's right. So everyone can yeah. stop sending your letters to Jim <laughs> O'Kane yelling at us. The corrections department can stand down. But see that, you know, and that, that makes it even weirder because, you know, it's, you almost want, I almost want, uh, you know, a, a different character then to, to, to kind of mm. get in close, a, a more youthful character. I think probably, I, I would think he, there, there was at least like <laughs> everyone else was probably on the younger side in that scene. I mean, he, he has the <laughs> senior agent. Yeah, yeah. He's the, he's the one in charge, I guess he's CIA. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> I just like the frustrated Van Dam. you know, Mr. Kaplan, we've had just about enough of you. And <laughs> I mean, it's still, it's so subdued, but it, it's it's him it's practically him just slapping him across the face and you know there's a line from the script that got cut in the middle of that Thornhill interrupts and oh, okay. he says uh, look Van Damme I don't know why you want me dead but this and then Van Damme comes back in I'm like he's still overplaying his roles basically mm-hmm. Van Damme must be really confused <laughs> well and especially with the next bit about, you know, why don't you just send for the police? And then mm-hmm. uh, is that when. Yeah, that, and that's why I was referencing last. Van Damme last looks minute, over to the. That, that uh, he looks over yeah. and he sees what we see at the very end of this minute as well. The uh, uh, Valerian mm-hmm. is the, apparently the character. The Valerian name. is there. That's something I don't know how well, how yeah, much yeah. Uh, the other people went in when when this guy and the other thug type guy were uh, in uh, the elevator with Thornhill. I'm, I'm quite. I talked about him a lot because I had the drunken car scene, so they were they oh, were in okay. that. I couldn't remember how much this guy had been yeah. in the movie to this point. I couldn't remember if this was his first, you know, kind of appearance, or if we were supposed to. 
uh, remember this guy. But okay. He's the one who stops Thornhill at the door of the study when Thornhill t- tries to leave, just like the end of this minute. Okay. That's that's who Valerian is. He's gonna, mm. He just stands there in Thornhill's way. Stop. He stops people from exiting Grimm's. Yeah. <laughs> He's a he's a doorman. <laughs> yeah, so it kind of going back to the the confusion, I guess, for Van Dam. You know, I, I guess it makes a little more sense, maybe. But I, I felt like it, it was an odd cutaway because, you know, this guy reads as a cop. Like he just mm-hmm. he just looks like a cop. So I had no. Uh, I was pretty sure that he was a cop. So, you know. Um. But I wasn't sure what we were supposed to be, what they were telling us by by showing us the you know, the look over, see the cop. Is that is that does does Van Dam think that Roger came here with the police? Um, does he think that like is this a sting? Like I, I don't I don't know what. I don't know who who knows what and what they think is happening. <laughs> So yeah, it was frustrating a little bit for me. Just just this look over to the to to Valerian and then uh, Roger leaving and walking up to Valerian and stopping short as if he didn't want to go to the police, you know, so I don't know. But I also haven't watched the movie in, in a little while, so I kind of forgotten uh some of these roles and who is who's following whom and you mean you didn't just watch it a couple weeks ago before (laughs) we started our two weeks here (laughs) i mean yes well you're in the same boat as cary grant then because he was he was confused by the plot of the movie (laughs) and hitchcock was okay with that (laughs) yeah um again back to back to eve's you know or or even marie saints um eye acting Especially, I mean, she, she, you know, I don't know what the what the real process is, you know, if, if they, you know, I mean, sometimes some actors actually do kind of, you know, figure out some way to get themselves to tear up, you know, but, I mean, you can see these <laughs> tears yeah. starting to form. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. so ready, but or, or, the, or it's an eyedropper. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah. I love this performance from her and and in one shot she totally sells that she's both like scared to be left mm. with Van Dam um and and angry at at Roger you know but she she just wants to get out of here and I think sees Roger as her only way out maybe and he's walking away and now she knows that Van Damme is displeased and, you know, maybe she's worried. Um, at least that's kind of what I'm getting from her. And I think she does, she does so much with just her eyes basically. And letting those tears well up like that. It's really impressive. In a more modern film, I would wonder if she's tearing up because she's afraid of like punishment from Van that's, Damme because yeah, that's she what failed. I was thinking. But yeah, in this context, it feels more like, no, she had a real connection with Thornhill and now he's leaving. So what's she going to do? Yeah. You're probably right. You're, uh, yeah. It's probably supposed to read as more emotional and the man she's now fallen in love with is leaving. I think, I think I, I have been thinking of it with more 
modern, I don't know, modern eyes or whatever, and and thinking that she was more you know worried about what would happen to her from Van Damme, who yeah, I guess I'm I'm putting a lot more uh, evilness into him than maybe there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so the last thing uh, Thornhill says to her is don't think it wasn't nice. So that's a little, nice little double <laughs> negative meaning. <laughs> think it was, go ahead and think it was yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah. He had a good time, but he's moving on. <laughs> Um, and then, then the other thing, like with what you guys were just saying, though, um, with them leaving, um, you know, and, and what she might be thinking also is is that uh, maybe it's a little bit, uh, you know, afraid afraid that she'll never see him again, afraid that he might die, he'll probably die, that that Van Damme's going to kill him. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. She kept him alive on the train. Mm. She helped him escape, mm. and now he's right back in their hands anyway. <laughs> What's what's interesting is the movie does not take much time to explain any of that. So it's like you have to figure out which side is she on at which time. Yeah. Which is interesting since this is, as we already said, way before, like, or a few years before James Bond movies started doing that sort of thing. And the spy film really became a thing. Right. She's She's almost closer in some scenes to, like, a femme fatale from film noir instead. Is it? She's dangerous, but of course she fell in love with him. He's the hero. Yeah. Um, we saw yeah. them in a bed together, you know. <laughs> it's the 50s. They're basically married. <laughs> um, so then we uh, see see Thornhill round in the corner at the back of the back of the auction room. <laughs> what do you want to call it? Um, and uh, he comes face to face with uh, Valerian, who is reaching into his pocket. And that's it. <laughs> we don't know what he's gonna <laughs> yeah. pull out. And we even then we even also actually hear the uh, auctioneer saying the very last word he says is last, which is similar to last. end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In a way. So <laughs> works well for us, but we know it's gonna continue. Yeah. Now. And with the timing too, the auctioneer's at thirteen hundred, which you could yep. take as a sign of bad luck. <laughs> well, but it's but he's at thirteen hundred, but he's only got twelve hundred. <laughs> the the item might True. go for twelve hundred mm. if he doesn't get. So we're in between. It might go for twelve, and then Thornhill's fine. Well, since we are talking about the last word being the last, and the man speaking the last word, um, I actually looked up yeah. the auctioneer here in the movie, and it's a it's a man called uh, Les Les Tremaine. Um, he. Uh, was born in 1913, died in 2003, so he was 90 years old. Uh, but he had a career in film and radio uh, before that in the 40s. Um, he was Major General Mann in the 1953 War of the Worlds movie, um, nice. narrator in the 1956 Forbidden Planet movie. Um, he was in practically every TV show from the late 50s and 60s. And then uh, from 74 to 76, he was mentor in the Shazam TV show. Hmm. Um, and then in the uh, 70s, basically in the early 70s to the uh, 
early 90s, he did a lot of voice work for animated shows, uh, Scooby-Doo, Johnny Quest, a bunch of the like Bible story cartoons, a um, bunch of other, uh, a lot of additional roles or additional voices type of work for dozens of, of cartoons over those years. And uh, so that's that's the auctioneer we've been hearing the last few minutes. So he was, I was, I was just... For, for some reason got to thinking like who, who's this voice we've been hearing the last couple of minutes and yeah, he's auctioneer right there in the credits. He would have been a familiar voice. Yeah. To, uh, yeah. I'm sure to, to a lot of people he would have been like, I know that voice. One of the trivia things on IMDb for him is in the forties, he was um, found to be one of the three most famous voices in America, along with Franklin Roosevelt and Bing Crosby. Oh, so wow. people wouldn't probably recognize him or at least his voice. Yeah. Uh, I did. I did see this picture earlier um, when I was researching for this minute, and um, uh, and right next, right near his picture, it also happened to say. Uh, I think like he was like an understudy or something, or he, or he came in and and replaced him uh, on Bro- on Broadway. Yeah, Hume Cronin, and I was like, oh yeah, okay, this ma- that makes sense. The way the way the two of them look, kind of kind of on the thinner side, and. And uh, that pencil-thin mustache. Yeah. Um, Is there anything else? No, this is kind of a down moment. I mean, it's a big (laughs) departure for Thornhill and Eve, but stuff's about to happen. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so, uh, well, one last time, uh, Robert, uh, you want to let people know about how people can find more of your stuff sure you can find my various shows uh at lemmingdrops.com and or follow me on social media robert eg black and uh i have uh, uh two of my other shows besides the one that's kind of <laughs> doing this is is uh watch my minute with travis there but um and and when we, and we finish that <laughs> um and we even came back for the hbo series uh one episode at a time not minute by minute but um <laughs> Maybe someday, <laughs> but uh, but uh, my two other shows uh, that are currently ongoing, uh, Almost Famous Minute and Feels Like Weezer, and they're both on the uh, uh, Rock and Roll Pantheon Podcast Network, which you can find at uh, pantheonpodcast.com. I suppose listeners can find me, um, aside from Watchmen Minute, like Eric said, um, I'm over on Real Comic Heroes, it's real with two E's, and we talk about... Uh, primarily talk about comic book movies in uh, in chronological release order. So, okay, and uh, listeners can find the Hitchcock Minute podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play, or at the main site HitchcockMinute.com. I should also mention that social media is available at the Man on Washington's Nose on Facebook and on Twitter at Hitchcock Minute. Um, I also definitely need to say that there are over 150 other <laughs> Movies by Minutes podcasts available <laughs> at moviesbyminutes.com. And that listeners can check out, should check out, the site for more great shows. So uh, listeners should uh, join um, the next set of hosts uh, here next, next week on Monday on the Hitchcock Minute.
wherever you are.